Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. We're glad to have you from wherever you're listening today around the United States or around the world. I appreciate you downloading with us, studying with us. We'd love to hear from you, springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. We would enjoy hearing from you. Don't forget my book, I Surrender by Mike Springston. I think it would bless you. Um, We're going to begin session 13 today of operating in the God kind of faith. I think this is a tremendous session that we'll share with you today. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get into the word of God. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear. The heart that we can understand what the Word of God says to us, then let us plight our lives so that we can be changed in the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us today through the Holy Spirit. Reveal what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. And as you reveal that Holy Spirit, we will receive it and release it unto your people so that we can be corrected, so that we can be directed so that we can be blessed by the words of Jesus Christ. Now minister it to us in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. So we begin session 13. Uh, We often live in a condition of lack, not because of his will, but because of our own will. If we could reconcile this fact to our lives, I feel certain that we would be able to live a, a much more joyful and content life. We would see that his desire for us is to have the victory of triumph, majesty, and dominion. We would also see that each of these is abundantly applied to us by the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. We would clearly identify with that spirit of life and acknowledge that he is living in us. And as we reconcile ourselves to his lordship, he is in fact in us. From here, he manifests his will through the operation of the Holy Spirit. There we receive correction, direction, guidance, and blessing in abundance. That's to be used to further the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Knowing this, we would also begin to place the emphasis of our lives upon a completely different focus. Now we're talking about the God kind of faith. Did you notice what I said? We would take the knowledge of his will and use that knowledge to enhance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Here's where the issue of the correct use of faith comes into a condition of imbalance with the author and finisher of our faith. We use our faith to enhance ourselves. We use our faith to plunder. And even if you will, a good friend of mine says, pimp God. This is not, nor has it ever been the model of which the author and the finisher of our faith designed for faith to be used effectively. I did not say that it could not work and that you can't force the issue with God, that in His compassion, 
He released your desire. What I did say is that in this sort of release, there becomes a detriment to you and to your faith moving forward because in essence, you got what you wanted, but you lost what you had. What did you have? The purity of truth of the word of God concerning faith and how it was designed to work. Do you remember Israel complained and rebelled and kicked and fussed and God granted their request, but he sent leanness into their land? Should you operate faith from a spirit of lust or a spirit of pride? You may get what you want, and you may call it as being a blessing from God. However, the spirit from which you received in your deceptive spirit man is not at all the spirit of life. It becomes a spirit of darkness that has achieved the activity of producing in you a blindness that has been able to operate through your faith. But when we do go into spiritual things correctly, those spiritual things will supplant the natural because we'll see that it is the spiritual things of which we've really been craving all along. We were craving the things we could not see or hear. And we transplanted those things that we were inner craving in the supernatural for things that we were able to do, see, and hear. In Christ, however, our affections were transformed and we found the real purpose for living. It was not for what I could hold. It was for those things that are above. Now we're going to talk about those things that are above in just a few minutes. What will they be? Let's look and see. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 through 14. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of Christ, of the gift of Christ. The measure of the gift of Christ. Here, my friend, is a big gift. It's the gift of grace. Grace is the extension of the body of Christ. From the body, grace is a gift that operates as an immutable thing because the body and the blood are the immutable things. Grace, John said that Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. It provides things for us such as favor, influence, affords us to do things the way God does, and it opens the heavens for the judgment of God to be available to the ones who receive it. These works of grace produce in us the purity of truth. Truth concerning all of the potential that's been summoned due to the triumph, majesty, and dominion over the spirit world, over heaven, earth, and hell, that we know that Jesus Christ accrued as he conquered death and hell. How big is it? It's vast. It's given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Why is it stated like this by Paul? Because in the body of Jesus Christ, John said it, he was full of grace and truth. 
So the gift of grace is the full measure of all that he is. Remember, he is the one that is the head of the church who Paul said fills us all in all. He also said that he is in the Godhead bodily and we are complete in him. The full measure of the gift of Christ is on display in the church, its own display in its citizens, and subsequently, my friend, if you are a citizen, a member of the family of God, then it is operating in you. From that gift came the measure that established the blood blessings, the plan of redemption, the plan of salvation. That measure also revealed and released the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which has from its issue nine gifts that show us how to think like God or act in the revelations of God, act like God or operate in the power of God, and speak like God or act in the inspiration of God. My friend, this is tremendous, but we have to see it, believe it, receive these works of grace and the connection of the blood to grace for the fullness of Jesus Christ to be established in you. Verse 8, wherefore he said when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now look at the part that references the fact that he led captivity captive. What does that mean? He had come out of hell with the spirit and souls of those who had believed the message that he shared with them in the place we know as Sheol. He had told them of himself, and of course they had seen him. Now watch this now. They knew him as the red thread or the blood thread that would come through the Old Testament and would become the perfect sacrifice for sin. They knew that they were looking for the one who would do what Habakkuk 3.13 said. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for the salvation of thine anointed. Thou woundest the head of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck, Selah. So, they had been witness to what had been done on the other side of the gulf. He had triumphed over hell and plundered its goods. They saw it live. So they hear him preach and believe, and he takes those who once were captive, and... They are again captive, but this time they're captive to the heavenly orientation. They live in freedom and liberty in the presence of the Godhead. They worship there. They praise there, uninhibited. But what happened to the captive things of which he had plundered? These are now available to be placed into the hands of men who will serve God with these blessings. They will focus upon the kingdom of God and not upon their own consumption. It was the idea of personal consumption and lust that sent the plunder to hell in the first place. Now it's been returned to its correct origin and can be returned to God's people. Truly, he restored what the canker worm and the pommel worm had stolen from his people. So gifts are given, talents, ideas, concepts, and insight are produced back into the earth for the children of God to use to build the kingdom of God. The word of God declares in Psalm 75, 6 and 7, 
For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor the west, nor the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Do you see it? He is the judge of how he disperses the benefit of heaven, regardless of where the plunder that is in the storehouse came from. Since he has complete dominion over hell, he continues to plunder the goods that are being used by those who die in their sin. From this position, he transforms the life by transforming the abilities of one who has surrendered his life to Jesus Christ and to his work. He sets that person with talents and abilities that will complete the direction that he has designed for the course of their life. He will set up the believer to things that the believer is committed to securing, working for, and becoming in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. On the contrary, he will take down the one who is rebellious, selfish, disobedient, or covetous, because that one has become contentious concerning spiritual things. Again, here is where the misuse of faith will serve as an outcome that has consequences and repercussions that will become the effect of leanness to your land. Then there is the necessity to produce gifts among men that have to do with spiritual leadership. Now I would say this concerning any gift of God. If you're a gifted individual, whatever that talent and ability may be, do not separate yourself from the assembling of yourself with a Christian community. My friend, this gift of God is not something that you relegate your praise and worship to a once a week thing. It must be a consistent assembling for the purpose of support and sharing. Along with that, when the gifts of God are exposed and appointed, one must remain consistent with the study of the word of God and prayer. Through these commitments, one can keep the main thing always the main thing. In other words, you'll not become lustful and lose the focus of your gifts and talents. Too frequently, people think more highly of themselves than they ought to, and this produces a sense of pride. How can there be pride concerning a gift? Because the person knows it's a gift, but those who do not possess it and become envious of it or even zealous to have the gift begin to set the person on a pedestal. Remember, they tried to do that with Peter and John in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John quickly nipped that thinking right off at the root. Many in our world seem incapable of doing that. They enjoy the notoriety and they enjoy the tension, attention and this often leads to ensnarement and entanglement with the world. Unless a sense of importance for the assembly and the importance of personal surrender is operating in them, they will run off and chase their gift and forget about the gift giver. I see this happen all the time. 
They develop something and the next thing they know, church becomes an afterthought. Their worship becomes cold and dry. They no longer seek the things of God. And the gift runs on and it produces. And they feel like they're producing it because God has blessed them. My friend, that's just not so. God gave them a gift and they've run off and produced it until now it has become a hindrance to their life in Christ. And they've run on until they have allowed the very thing God blessed them with to become the very thing that hinders their spirit life. What do they do about it? They keep pursuing the thing that now gratifies them, that gives them money, that gives them a source of becoming somebody. All the while, the enemy is stacking up the deck against them because that house of cards will surely fall. My friend, the gifts given to you must bow and they must worship. The gifted must praise and give because they have received a great blessing from the Lord. How does this relate to faith? (laughs) Come on now. Can anyone not see how faith when misused is no different than misusing any other gift of God? Are we so blinded that we cannot clearly see that faith can be mishandled and that it can become a source of spiritual leanness? You can You may not want to see it, but you can. Now along with grace, he gave specific gifts to men. They're of a spiritual nature and they allow the ones who live in spiritual things to accomplish spiritual goal. Verse 9 and 10. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same that also ascended up far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things. Why is Paul recording this? He's saying it for the last six words of the verse, that he might fulfill all things. Upon his being seated at the right hand of majesty, there is absolutely not one piece of the divine plan of God that has not been completed to the extent that God said to him, sit right here until I make your enemies your footstool. Because everything required to subdue the enemy has been done. Now it's a matter of the divine timing of God. Sometimes that divine timing includes the release of gifts that produce the said talents and said abilities to be a witness in a certain situation. Sometimes it's the divine ability to speak a word or make a decision that produces the goal of God in your life. The timing of God becomes everything for the believer. From our perspective now, it's not his timing that comes into question. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The question then becomes our ability to bring our human side under subjection to the Spirit that, so that we can remain ready to complete the work when the work beckons. Remember those who have been blessed with the gift of God, ran off in it until church, church work, 
the assembling of themselves together are forgotten. They're too busy. They've got too much going on. Remember how those same people who were once great dads and fathers took work and chose work over their family and their children? They said, Mom will do it. Well, Mom's not able to do what the dad needs to do, what the father needs to do. Or the mother who ran off into her career, speeding full force ahead, promotion upon promotion upon promotion, but no one can replace mom in the household. No one can replace mom to her husband. My friend, we're walking on dangerous territory whenever we uh, become misinformed about the timing of God. I've seen it happen time and time again, even in my own life. Not only in spiritual things, but in my work life. God has set me in a time or a season when a work was required to be completed and I stepped in and did that work and I can tell you many times, but probably the most significant time is whenever I became the head football coach at West Virginia University Tech. It was the worst program in the country. It had won five games in the entire decade of the 90s. Struggling financially on the verge of closing, God sent me into a situation under a promise, all of a sudden, we began to be successful. The school began to be successful. Everything began to be successful. And I was right in the center of things that God wanted done. But in the middle of that, there came a struggle and a turmoil and a circumstance came about. I lost sight of what I was doing. I lost sight of the fact that God had gifted me that job. I went into another situation and that situation became very unfruitful and became uh, one that I could not work in and I had to leave it. Why? Because I was where God wanted me. But I was not operating. I quit. I went to my human side. That brought me into a place where I was not called by God. I'd followed my own design and the consequences, my friends, were dire. They were absolutely dire. Paul said this in Galatians 5, 24 and 25, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit produces the ability to walk, therefore, thereby. For the most part, people fail right here. I've been there. Then when the issues of life approach them, they're ill-prepared in the spirit world to discern the direction of the spirit. So what happens now? They do exactly what I did. They refer to witnesses that would come from other humans. What are they going to tell you? Well, they're going to tell you to look for what looks the best to them, what makes the most money, what adds the more prestige, what gives the more influence. So without spiritual discernment, one tags his wagon to the human idea, the idea of worldly thinking. What's the outcome? One of two things. It will fail miserably, and you will say, well, I prayed about this and felt led to do it. 
And that's absolutely not true. God gets the blame. Or the second possibility, it succeeds. But in succeeding, it so immerses you into the success that you lose your sense of assembly and your desire to worship. When they approach you on your lack of attendance at family and church functions, you will say, well, what did God expect? He gave me this. He knows what I need to do to keep it. I wish I could do more, but that just isn't possible right now. Maybe in a year or two I could turn this loose. You got what you wanted, but he sent leanness to all of your other important positions and obligations in your life. I'm going to have to close right here with this, but I'll be back and we'll talk some more about how to operate in the God kind of faith. May God richly bless you is my prayer in Jesus' name.